Pepper for Your Steak is an adult podcast for those aged 25 years and older. Scientists and doctors tell me that that's the age that your frontal cortex is finally fully formed, whatever that means. Supposedly, that's when your brain is finished cooking. I'm not recommending anything in here, and I certainly don't accuse anybody of anything. This is all a work of fiction, fantasy, and entertainment. Enjoy. Check, check. Is this thing on? Check a rooney, check a rooney, check on you. Check a rooney, check till the day is through. What you gonna do when I check for you? Check a rooney, check a rooney, check on you. Check. It's on, right? Yeah, but uh, don't ever sign to me again, please. Oh, come on. (laughs) All right, here we go. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. Today is May 14th, but that doesn't really matter. I release these every once in a double, triple blue moon sometimes. Who knows when they're going to come out. In this episode, we have an interview with Micah Dank, numerologist uh, and author. All his contact info will be in the links and shit, and we talk about it in the show. We also have the usual running portion of the podcast where I put some electronic music in here. Uh, I'll talk more about that later. So let's get things started. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. Just have as many life experiences as you can. You know, be, be a good-hearted person. Just do what you can. Soul is not like breath or blood or bone, and it can be taken in ways no man understands. We thought we had something different here, you see. See, we live in both a very fragile and precious experiment in democracy, and we live in an empire that is experiencing profound decline. Reptilian agenda. Okay, well, let's talk about the reptiles. So you're saying the reptilians are luring humans to like Hawaii to vacate to vacation spots. The news is there to scare white people. I've said this for years. To live this life, you can't live the life everyone else lives. You're not going to be partying on the weekends. You're going to be performing on the weekends. You're not going to be watching the big uh, game on a Thursday night because you'll be in a club. You have to have that mindset that you don't belong. You don't go to the rhythm of the rest of the world. Is it okay sure. if I do this? Um, I'm going to do a quick prayer to focus our energy. And then uh, this comes from the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey. Um, and uh, because it is super useful, and then and then it'll give us a, a template to start with. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> um O divine poesies, goddesses, daughters of Zeus, please sustain for us these songs of the various-minded men who whilst they had plundered the innermost citadel of hallowed Troy, they were still made to stray grievously about the coasts of men, the sport of their custom, good or bad, whilst their heart through all their seafaring ached in agony to bring their men and their company safely home. But it was vain hope for them. Their own wiltlessness cast them astray to kill for meat the oxen of the most exalted sun. Wherefore, the sun god blotted out the sky on the day of their return. I ask for clarity. I ask not to be too verbose. I ask for gratitude and grace and continued abundance. And the same for my guest, Reba. Okay, so 
Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Maverick Matthews. Welcome to Pepper for Your Steak. Tonight we have Micah Dank with us, and he's going to get into some numbers. In fact, I don't want to even define what it is that you do. Micah, maybe we could start there. What do you do? Um, I basically take astrotheology and decode phrases from the Bible and from other Gnostic texts and from, let's say, the Book of Enoch, <clears throat> the Book of Thomas, the Book of Revelation, the Book of Job. Uh, even like the Enuma Elish, and uh, just show how they're all just encoded astrology books with within their codes. So, if you don't mind me asking you personally, um, are you spiritual? Are you religious? What brought you to this? I'm not religious. I was I was raised very religious, and I never took to it. And I was always looking for answers. And um, I had a friend move into my neighborhood when I was in third grade. Who, uh, whose family is born-again Christians. And uh, I was raised religious Jewish, even though I never took to it. Um, and I would always just, you know, my my parents would clash with their parents, based on, or his parents, I should say. And it's just been like this long-standing thing, and I would just think, well, that's stupid. And then I would think, I'd be like, look, is someone right? Is someone wrong? You know, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. I'm not really sure. And then it turns out that um, I started getting into like Jordan Maxwell and Santos Bonocci, and I got into them when I was about 30. This is about eight years ago. And I spent like four or five hours a day uh, just watching their videos. And um, I got to a point where I was able, where I had a full understanding of the cipher. So I was able to just start applying it myself. And then what I ended up doing was I ended up writing a six-book thriller series, which I actually have a book deal with. And uh, my agent got me a book deal. And uh, book four is out, uh, came out March 15th. And uh, basically, it just, the characters, it's, it's very much like Da Vinci Code and uh, Angels and Demons. And I love basically, it. The, yeah, the characters basically figure out all this astrotheology and hidden conspiracies and and all this kind of stuff that's been really suppressed. It's a lot of suppressed knowledge that's written through fiction. So have you read Illuminatus by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson? I have I have not, no. Okay, so that's now on your I, – I love it. The, you know, Shane and I from Black Pill were just talking about how my required reading list, uh, it, it tends to help people out, and, and it was given to me. So Illuminatus is a three-volume uh, fictional historical fiction series, just like you were writing. Um, it was written by some folks who have passed now, but they were uh, some of the most brilliant esotericists um, of their time. Um, uh -huh. And so I'm not going to say any more because that's going to take us in a different direction. But encoding information in fiction has become so huge. And I discovered this a couple years ago. There's an amazing book about the exploration of North America called Cabal of the Westford Night, which talks about how the Persians fucking were the first people here probably. Um right. And then there's a uh, the Illuminatus is is at the top of the list. So, anyone listening, check that out. What's another one that I just read? These are becoming very popular, man. It's because, you know, you have to number one. It's because you can get away with telling the truth in fiction. Well, not only that, man. People don't fucking yeah. read anymore. It's hard to right. get people to fucking read. I'm in the biggest campaign for the largest audiobook company in the world, and they have to have commercials. Like, right. it, you know, you and me are lucky, and that's why we are doing what we're doing is because we, f we became true philosophers, man. We fell in love with knowledge, right? Right. And that's what all of a sudden put us into 1%. Not, it, it, like, we're blessed. That's our biggest blessing, and if I could give anybody else an advantage in this world, 
please fucking become intoxicated with knowledge, man. It's fucking rad. But yeah, but, well, I mean, that has to come from within. Right, but it can, but know, it but it has it also can just, be taught. You can't just well, yes, knowledge can be taught, but you have to. The person has to come there on their own volition. You can't just you can't just force. Oh heck this no! Incredible knowledge onto somebody and expect that they'll take it in because people are at different stages of their own learning. You know, some people are completely content with just having a family, going to church, and that being it, not knowing the deeper things behind everything. Sam Tripoli you know, and I were talking about this the other day. We yeah. are, are NPC characters to somebody who is at an extremely advanced stage of evolution, and we have to right. let other people below that be, be in their level too. Yes. You're absolutely right. Yes. Let's get into it. Where do you want to start? All right. So the best way to do this is to just go through the 12 signs. Which one do you start with, and why do you start with that one? So I start with Aquarius uh, just because – it's kind of like January. It's the beginning of our year. Fair enough. I know that the year the year starts in Aries. The year always started in Aries. Um, it's basically the third time, which is why Sept, Sept, Oct, Nove, and December were uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. Exactly. That works. That works when you start from Aries. Right. It doesn't work in the in, in the new calendar. But I start with Aries just because I consider it like basically the first sign because it's it's January. It's a new one, and that's the sign of the man with the water pitcher. So it's, a, it's literally a sign of a man holding a water pitcher, pouring it out. So whenever you hear key words like fountain or um, the son of man, for example, they're talking about the man sign because the man sign is Aquarius as the female sign is Virgo, as you know. Um, and Pisces would be the sign of the two fish in the water, and that comes prevalent later on in the Bible. But then Aries is the ram, and in Aries you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. And it's 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also when the Jews celebrate the Passover. And yep. for the Jews, the Passover is considered the passing over of God over the Egyptian land, who basically smites all the Egyptian firstborn sons or any house that doesn't have the lamb's blood on the door. In astrotheology, the Passover is when the sun passes over the spring, uh, the, the equator. And it starts its way back up to the height of the summer solstice. We just had the spring equinox and then miraculously things start getting warmer and warmer i'm not really sure where you live but i'm in new york and that sure is happening here i just relocated to northern idaho about 40 minutes from canada i'm in the boone docks and uh, there's still snow on the ground but it is not 10 degrees it's 50 what do you have like what do you have like 40 acres and like 400 buried nephilim in your backyard i have 10 acres and my own river uh, and neighbors that will pull the trigger in a heartbeat in my defense. So that is pretty rad. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I'm very blessed, man. I just got yes. up here. In fact, I was checking my mailbox today for my Idaho ID. So I'm, I'm a California refugee. Gotcha. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, off, off uh, yeah. audio before. Um, so, but anyway, as I was saying before, so... In Christianity, the passing over is changed, and it's called the resurrection of God's son. That's why they celebrate Easter in Aries. Easter yeah, right. It, that's why. That's why the the son all of a sudden is reborn. Oh my gosh, he's he's alive again. The ancients didn't yep. know if the fucking progression of the sun was just gonna fucking keep going darker and darker and darker. That's why Christmas is such a big deal because the sun yep. freezes for three days. It's like, oh my god, yep. it's dying. No, it's not. What's it doing? Well, we don't even know. And then all of a sudden, it starts coming back, and they're like, thank fucking god, it came back again. The Christians exactly. jacked all this shit. Every religion since yep. the Egyptians has jacked all this shit. And they were they were generally the only ones to pay true homage to it and just be like, yeah, we're worshiping that thing up there, the fucking sun. 
right. You know? right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I mean, in Aries, <clears throat> the Jews are the people of Aries. That's why, you know, Aries is the ram. That's why the Jews blow the ram's horn to the sky. I mean, it's just so blatantly obvious for anybody that like digs into it a little bit. And then the next sign is uh, Taurus, which is the bull. And it's just basically as above, so below. When you look in the sky and you see the bull, you know, you have to put the plow of the bull on earth in order to plant so that you can now uh, harvest back in Virgo and Libra, which I'm going to get to. Um, and then Gemini is the story of the twins, Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. So everybody basically knows that. Then Cancer is the crab. And it's a sideways moving creature. And you went over the fact that in December 21st, it's dead for three days, and then it rises again on December 25th. Well, it does the same thing in Cancer. On June 21st, it's at its height. And then for three days, it stays at that height, and then it drops a degree on June 25th. And then Leo is basically the king of the jungle. That's the lion. So the ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So when they're talking about the kingdom of heaven being near, they're referring to Leo. And then Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So basically when we said we planted Taurus before, well, the virgins would cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make the bread. And then Libra is the scales of justice. It's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter and the cold into, into death, basically. And the Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. It's called Rosh Hashanah. And because Libra is the judgment, the justice, that's why eight days after Rosh Hashanah, the Jews have something called Yom Kippur, which is the day of judgment. It's when you go to temple all day, you fast all day, and you stay in temple all day, and you basically pray that God will keep you in the book of life. Now, Libra, so when you see words like judgment, judging, then you know it's Libra they're talking about. Libra is also wine season, and it's also olive season. So when they're talking about like the wine press, or they're talking about the, the, the grapevine, or they're talking about Mount Olive, for example, that's when they, you know they're talking about Libra. So in Virgo, you have the bread, and in Libra, you have the wine. That's the bread and the wine. And then Scorpio is the scorpion, and he's known as the betrayer. Because when a scorpion bites you, the ancients knew this, the Egyptians knew this, when a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips, but it's full of poison. So it looks like a kiss, but it's poisonous. That's why the mafia has the kiss of death, and it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss, because Jesus is the son, and Judas is Scorpio, and that's how Scorpio does things. So the sun is judged in Libra, and it's portrayed in Scorpio, and then finally in Sagittarius. That's where the man with the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. And in the Bible, it's actually translated to a spear, and I'm going to show you where that comes in. But basically, this is where the sun dies. So anytime they're ever talking about somebody's death, they're talking about Sagittarius because it has December 21st in it. And then the last sign would be Capricorn, which is the goat, because if you look at the zodiac wheel, Capricorn's at the bottom of the wheel. And then what happens is basically as the sun climbs a degree, as it walks along the zodiac wheel, it climbs a degree a day, um, just like the goat, and the goat likes to climb the mountain. So it's just a metaphor. So that's basically the uh, that's basically the zodiac. You wanna you wanna jump in and throw your two cents in? No, let's keep. I want to see where uh, what direction you go with it now. So we know the okay. we know the foundational elements of uh, symbology within the, you know, within the canon as far as Christianity is concerned. Because we're let's be honest, we're talking a a very particular uh, encoding timeline here, and uh, uh, right. you're, you know, somewhere between. 
year uh you know 200 and and 200 right so uh let's let's keep moving okay good so capricorn is the goat so basically jesus is the son so when the son is in capricorn jesus is known as the scapegoat of israel when the son is in aquarius he's known as the son of man as i mentioned before when the sun is in Pisces, or when Jesus is in Pisces, he's known as the fisherman of men. And it's also why he feeds the masses with the two fish. And incidentally, the uh, it's the two fish and the five loaves of bread. Well, the two fish is Pisces, and I already told you that the bread was in Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk. Those are opposing signs on the zodiac wheel. And that's how things are encoded in the Bible, too. They talk about opposing signs all the time. They talk about neighboring signs and opposing signs. That's how it usually works. And then the ram is in Aries. He's known as the Lamb of God. Um, <coughs> you have Leo, the lion. He's known as the Lion of Judah. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, he's born of a virgin, and he's called the Bread of Life. Then Libra is the Scales of Justice. He's known as the Just One. Then he's betrayed in Scorpio, and he dies in Sagittarius. I mentioned Sagittarius is the death. That's December 21st. And it's also why he's worshipped on the sun day, because he's the sun. Now, if you look at a picture of a stereotypical cartoon Jesus, the white Jesus that you'll see when you Google images of Jesus, you'll see four things. You'll always see the sun behind his head. You'll see the two fingers up. Okay, I'm sure you 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 uh, you know this. He has the two fingers that are up, mm -hmm. um, much like Baphomet pictures of Lucifer. It's a very as Satan. above, so below classic. That's the as above, super so symbology. Below. Exactly, and then you see the heart outside the body with the. Uh, crown of thorns wrapped around it and the sun is always behind jesus because he represents the sun okay he did the same thing with horus in the um, hieroglyphs the two fingers up that you keep seeing in all these in all these things that's an ancient comedic an ancient egyptian peace sign the separate sign the the the, the v that, that the john lennon peace sign that's the british victory war sign Okay, so when people are throwing that peace sign up, they're actually throwing up a war sign. But the two fingers up that Jesus has, that Satan has, that Baphomet has, are an ancient Egyptian peace sign. And they're telling you that they're peaceful. That's what that means. Then the white Jesus picture is actually a guy named Caesar Borgia, who was the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. Uh, before, so basically, in the 1500s, it was a Pope, Alexander VI. And yes, popes used to have kids out of, uh, of course, out of wedlock, because they would never get married, but they would still... You know, they didn't care. They would still have kids. And he decided that his son would be the face of Jesus. Before then, there was actually no painting. There was no picture of Jesus. And the crown of thorns wrapped around the heart on the outside represents the sun rays, because Jesus has the crown of thorns. That represents the rays of the sun. And the heart on the outside of the body, that represents the human toroidal field. So we each have a torus field that hmm. emanates from, from our heart. Uh, some people call it an aura, and it goes six feet. Do you know the shape of this field? It's a torus. But do you know, like, for those who are uninitiated, what shape is a torus? <sighs> I, I'm trying to think what it is. It's I, a I'm donut. A, it's a donut with a yeah, hole gonna, in the middle. I was going to say almost like an apple because it's kind of dipped in on the top and on yeah. the bottom. It, but just for, this, for ease bit. of simplicity, if you think of, like, every childhood magnet drawing that is donut-shaped with a hole in the field in the middle, the reason everything is circular. This is like, uh, touching on this really resonates with me because like the Taurus field is something that everybody needs to know as a foundational element. 
because you right. need because the the more clearly you visualize things in your meditation or in your study, the more real they are if you're accurately visualizing them. Right? We don't want to right. visualize fucking fantasy because then we're not congruent with reality and we become confused. When you learn this element, it is so important because this is energy constantly flowing around you forever around everything from the tiniest the tiniest you know whatever you want to call the smallest molecule and i don't name the smallest because there isn't a smallest <laughs> okay right everything uh, we has call this. It, we call it the plank field as far as we know it yeah different ways to articulate but the torus is something that is pretty accepted across all disciplines wouldn't you say absolutely and the interesting thing too is that it goes out six feet outside of your body well and if you're healthy why, it can if you're healthy it can correct if, if you're healthy right um but the thing is, is that that's why the elites are trying to keep you six feet apart right now with, with this whole pandemic and everything. Not to dive into vaccines or anything, which I don't want to talk about. No, but you're right. In terms, of, in terms of energy isolation, we need to interact with others' field to right. get recharged. This is why going to a sporting event or a concert or a festival is not just something optional and fun that a society would do, but the fucking Greeks recognized that it should be part of the government. It should be foundational element of human life to get around others, to take whatever you're doing seriously, and to appreciate being there on a spiritual level actually physiologically recharges a human being. And yes, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And what they're doing, I mean, the, the Taurus field, that's why when someone comes up behind you, your hair is on your neck stand. That's you it. You could literally feel their fucking energy. That's it. This is exactly. great. Yes. So that's basically it. That's why the heart is outside the body of Jesus. The heart is always outside his body. And people go, why? But that's why. is because that's what it represents. So basically, those are the anomalies. Those are the names for Jesus. Now, if I start going into decodings, like I told you that we were going to do, now that we have the basis foundation on the cipher, that you know, like when we're talking about Virgo, you're talking about bread, the son of man, you're talking about Aquarius, the fish, you're talking about Pisces, the, the virgin or the young woman, you're talking about Virgo, judgment, Libra, wine, olives, Scorpio, the betrayer, okay, like that kind of stuff, that cipher. If I were to tell you, you've heard of the phrase, uh, pride comes before the fall, right? Mm -hmm. Can you define it for the uninitiated or whatever? Yeah, at which level? Um, like, let me just do the basic, basic one. Level. Let me yeah, just do the most. One. Let's let's do all. Okay, so like the, you know, the mystery schools say that there's seven fucking meanings to everything. That's a lot of meanings. Okay, so right. I want to stick to the top like three at most. Um, so let's start with the most basic. And and what we're talking about right now is the absolute allegorical interpretation of the Bible on levels one and two. Right, uh, they're straight up astro theological, like translation. And so I can't wait to hear like actual passages. Uh, because I haven't, you know, translated full passages. I want to see what they're actually talking about. But pride comes before the fall. Okay, uh, most on a, on a superficial level, or 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 on one level, you might say that um, your ego develops. Okay, and it will lead you astray, and you fall. Okay, this is also known as like you, know, you got too big for your britches is one tropic way that we say it in society. It's also called the tall poppy syndrome. Like down south, like in Australia, you 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 developed too quickly and thus endangered yourself. Right. Okay. It's almost like a spiritual. Um, it's almost like the spiritual Peter principle, if you think about it. You must first empty your cup before it can be filled with something divine. Otherwise, you will pollute it. Right. Right. Exactly. So that's what people. That's what. Uh, a Christian interpretation that's what like a basic level interpretation would be 
However, you know what a group of lions is called? A pride. Exactly. So pride is the lion. The lion is Leo. Leo is in July and August. That yeah. goes before the fall. Ah, that's wonderful. But you see, we could go even deeper, okay? I guarantee you, if you look up this phrase in a fucking, uh, you know, in old Hebrew and read it backwards with a gematric cipher, it will fucking give you the numbers for these times of year also. You know, like it, it, this stuff is encoded so many fucking ways. And it's because once you start to read it on the deeper levels, you're like, oh, I'm curious. And I don't mean to jump ahead. But as we learn all this knowledge, okay, that you're teaching, what should we do with it? What are we supposed to do with it? That, that's the magic number. Um, you have to understand is, is that Christians before – so a couple things. Christians before uh, the year 325 AD were known as Heliognostics, and Helios means the sun, and Gnosis means knowing. They were sun worshipers. That's what they were called. That's what they were. What happened was in 325 AD, Constantine literally created literal Christianity. Okay, and it's interesting too because um, he had a nephew named Julian the Apostate, who tried to bring everyone back to sun worship once his uncle died, and he was in battle and he ended up getting an arrow in his back from uh, from the side that he was fighting with for his troubles, because they started uh, plundering and bringing out this literal Christianity. Um, I forget where we're going with this whole thing entirely, but basically, if you go back, to oh oh. Two yeah, my, my question was, if, if, not, if you don't mind, just reel, to reel this back in so we have it cohesively. Um, w once we start learning all these al allegorical ciphers on this level, what are we supposed to do with them? What well, do we see, do? I focus, I focus mostly on decoding through astrotheology, and I know that's just one lens that you could decode the Bible with. So how okay. has it served you? I mean, like, how have you used it in your life? How is it actionable? Because... You don't have to ascribe to the things like the slavery and the murder and the and the and the rape and the incest and the, the all that kind of stuff that they talk about and the homosexuality is illegal. Um, you don't have to take that literally once you realize this was a book written by men, very intelligent men who encoded it very deeply, and they stole a lot of it from the Egyptian times too. But oh, what yeah. you can do is you could take the good from it and you can avoid you can leave the bad out as opposed to yeah. being a literalist who has to take the whole thing in. You know, it's it is interesting and they say this so many times in that book. I was raised hyper Christian, you know, I'm partnered with a Jew. Uh, right. neither one of us are practicing. We we both had a, the divesting of our, our religion, but I'm I consider myself to be extremely spiritual. I'm a, I consider myself to be a Pythagorean now. The reason I brought up the School of the Essenes previously, and I would encourage you personally, um, as you continue the development of your study, to look into them because mm -hmm. the the Davidian tribe that, that raised Jesus according to the standard narrative, they were Essenes. And the School of the Essenes was formed to study the teachings of Pythagoras, who had learned the teachings from Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. So... It will, you will love this shit, and it will only deepen your reading of this. But like to digress to what we, you were saying in terms of being actionable, mm -hmm. it says so many times in that book, you need to look deeper. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's going to be confusing, and they're just going to be parables. It says it over and over, you know, in straight-up blatant text. Do not cast pearls before swine. Most people don't know what the rest of that fucking phrase says. Do you know what the rest of it says? Go 
for it. I'm listening. Do not cast pearls before swine, lest they turn on you. Excuse me, lest they trample them and turn on you and devour you. It says wow. it says both parts there. It says, look, you need to look deeper, but here's why we've encoded it. Because we've tried to give you this this shit straight up, and you guys have devoured us for it. Mm-hmm. You know? The whole allegory yeah. of Jesus is about that. Why we don't give knowledge to the profane. Mm-hmm. So as you've, yeah. have you started to use this stuff in your life, Micah? Like, don't, don't you feel like it's made it richer? No, 100%. Without a doubt. Um, because it confirms more, shit that you suspected, but no one wants to tell you straight up. Well, it's the stuff that's hidden. I mean, it's not the stuff that's hidden. It's the stuff that's being deliberately kept from you. But it confirms it, is what I'm saying. When you when you get right. that feeling after you do the work and you stumble on this shit and you're like, fuck, man, I wasn't crazy. Exactly. Absolutely. Do you, want me to, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, please. Forgive me. I like these tangents because it may, it, it, no, it, like it reminds people why we're studying this shit in the first place and why we're getting serious about weird shit in the first place. Because, like, if you don't, it flies over people's heads. And not that I think, right. you know, I have an unintelligent audience or anything like that. What I mean is people fucking went to temples to study this stuff, man. And we're listening to it on podcasts. Like, you, you, you have to account for that. It's not a joke. Like, they wouldn't. They would keep this stuff secret under penalty of death in some cases. Mm-hmm. Look at the illusion mysteries, you know? They would kill people for that knowledge. So I think we should at least be reminded occasionally, like, fucking take this seriously, man. It can change you. It can. So please continue. Sure. So in the book of Micah, which is my namesake, in Micah 5 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me. One who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Now, Bethlehem in Hebrew, okay, is two words. It's bet and lechem. Bet means house, and lechem, which means bread. So let's talk about the house of bread. Well, I just told you that the house of bread was Virgo with the wheat stalk, the virgin. So when they say the Savior will come from Bethlehem, they're saying the Savior will come from a virgin. You see how that works? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's so simple with the cipher. Um, I'm going to read you the next one, too. This is Deuteronomy 32. I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to read it to you, and <laughs> you're going to literally see how many within this passage. Okay. Okay? It's, it's unbelievable once you start to read it. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky grounds. So we already talked about the olives. Yep, yep. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock he gave them lambs and goats they had the best rams from bashan and the finest wheat they drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes but jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull there's seven signs right there that they talk about and there's two that we haven't talked about that i'm going to explain too he gave them honey from the cliffs in Cancer, in the sign Cancer, there's a group of stars called the Beehive Cluster. It's an asterism, and it was a constellation. It was a, it was an asterism that was known back in the time too. So that's where the honey comes from. That's the Beehive Cluster. Makes sense. Mm. Okay. And then he said, butter from the herd and milk from the flock. Well, that comes from the Milky Way galaxy, if you think about it. And the Milky Way galaxy's center is in Sagittarius. So the land from Cancer to Sagittarius is your land of milk and honey. 
Hmm. Interesting. So you see in just that one passage. So what are they trying how... to t- what are they trying to tell us about that part of the sky? It's like you were talking about it. They were literally just encoding things. They were, and he who has the knowledge to see. What does Jesus say? He says, um, "He who has the eyes to see and ears to hear." Right. Well, that's oh, basically yeah. what you need to do. You know, if you understand the cipher and you can understand that they're encoding this information, they're encoding at the time. We know eighty-eight constellations right now. That includes the twelve zodiac. But at the time, they knew the twelve zodiac. They've known the twelve the twelve zodiac signs for forty thousand years. You have they to remember though, when you say the they, whole... we're not talking about the masses. It was just like it is today. If you went out to the street anywhere in America and you were like and you could you could like magically whisk that person onto beautiful desert skies and be like, yo, here's a green laser pointer, tell me some fucking signs of the zodiac and show me where the ecliptic is and show me, you know, the give me the basics. 90% of people would have no fucking idea. Right. And you, you, one thing to put this into an important yeah. context is to remember that it was just like this back then. And so if you wanted to be a leader of people and take people away from a different leadership, a different tribe, you had to fucking right. know when to plant crops. You had to know the important shit. And people take all this stuff for granted now because we're on because a different level of consciousness. We have watches. We have all Well, we're on stuff. a different level of consciousness because of our access to intelligence. And, and they did right. not have that access, and they were not at the same level of consciousness. Well, the way that I'm decoding this basically is just showing that the Bible is just basically in one section, in one part, in, in one lens that you're looking through the glasses through. Yeah. It's basically a farmer's almanac. Exactly. It tells you when, it tells you when winter's coming. It tells you when you have to plant. It tells you when you have to uh, collect the wheat. It tells you when you have to collect the wine. You make the bread and the wine for the year. You know, It tells you um, basically when, when you can make beer. Um, and they basically just encode this because this isn't for the average person. You know, I am I am convinced that the Antichrist is literal Christianity, is, is, is reading it word for word and not seeing it for the deeper allegorical sense that it is. You know, it's interesting idea to to toss around because like if you were the high caliber thinkers like these people obviously were i mean we're talk we are both admitting this is one level of translation and, and like that's what makes this book so incredible is that there's so many things in it that are useful but you also have to address exactly what you're talking about right now and that is what do you do with the profane because they're going to fucking hurt people right and and don't we have an obligation to be like hey and that's what i mean by like we're at a different level of intelligence now this is something that we can address maybe back then human beings were so barbaric and basic in their fucking basic bitch nature that they was like we don't even know what to do they're fucking the animals they just they kill each other it's a goddamn nightmare out there and there was a handful of people who were getting together in fucking mud huts man mud huts okay and animal skins and shit and being like yo I, I, you know, I read this today. I only had 20 fucking minutes. Like, it, if, to put in perspective what the, like, and I don't know if the true narrative of what these people's life, you know, that probably also has been bastardized. Right. You know, it was probably a lot nicer than you want to believe. But, you know, but for also very few, just like it is today, man. You're talking about people that were literally still in the food chain. Well, we are today, too, just in a different way. Right. You know, but like it was just like it is now. Think about what the elites are like. You know, they have incredible doctors. The elites back then of of this, you know, whatever level, they would have had the best of whatever they had. 
and things would have been nice and they would have been surrounded by nice things. But if you're a group of people who wants to like bail on life in the city, just like me out here in fucking Idaho on 10 acres, yeah, it's cool to have this piece of property. There's nothing built on it yet. Right. You know? So right. this is exactly what they were dealing with. And so if I came out here with no knowledge of what to do in the forest, I would be fucked. Exactly. But yeah, I don't have an answer for you, man. I don't have an answer for you because I have the same problem. And I think you and I are kind of trying to deal with it by doing these podcasts and writing books and exploring knowledge and trying to share it. But like, what are you supposed to do with the plebeians? You just plant a seed and then it grows or it doesn't. But you just plant the seed. It's like the movie Inception. You got to plant the seed. Get out of their way and just let them try it. Let it grow. And like intervention is almost sort of like fucking with the divine. We we not only are we born with different mutable characteristics like skin color, height, weight, and well, not weight because you put that on, but like hair color, just just characteristics of us else, right? We have these characteristics of ourselves, but we also have levels of our thinking when your internal monologue starts to take off when you're about five six years old you either feel something you either feel empty inside or that you're missing something or you just accept the world as it is and that's just internal that's just how your soul was brought on here there's people out there who uh, you know who hotep jesus is yeah yeah he had a quote i just retweeted him before he said um creation is the enemy of depression and i think that's exactly what it is but creation is something you can teach a person to do. So how much of that nature versus nurture in the beginning can we actually influence in a kid? Look at us. We were both put in very religious households and we ended up very different. Yeah, I, would, I, I bet if we went into that closely, it would be, it would be because we were around people who were uh, manipulating a doctrine that's sacred, but they're doing it very sloppy way. Uh, I don't think so in, in such a way. I, they were they were reading it exactly as they're told to read it. Yeah, but that's not graceful. We just talked about that. That's the fucking that's the plebeians. And so if if we're but, but our teachers, be, our teachers of this, yeah. the people who were supposed to lead us into this, you know, thing. This speaks to what you were saying earlier. I don't know if this is on record or not, but like it's important to think about. Um, our leaders are not the people who should be leaders. And they're doing this on purpose, like putting a, an actor in as president like Ronald Reagan. You know, that was a long fucking time ago, man. And that was done on, you know, on purpose because they want people to believe that you can just act like an authoritarian or act like you have the knowledge and just trust them. Right. And, and back when the times we're talking about, you know, back in biblical times, especially back to Pythagoras and even further in ancient Egypt, those people were chosen as leaders because they knew what the fuck they were talking about. I mean, you eat like the emerald tablets. Or you would die in the wilderness. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you knew the sun was going to start rising again magically fucking in three days, people would have been like, Jesus, this person's a god. Yep. So I, That reminds me of the story when uh, when uh, Columbus came here and he, he, he was he, – before he slaughtered everybody and he needed like blankets, food, and shelter and they wouldn't give it to him. And then he told them that – because he knew an eclipse was coming and he said, you angered my god in like two days or so. Oh, man. Uh, the sun's going to disappear, right? You know that story, right? Well, no. I mean I've heard versions of it, but go on. So basically he told them. He was like, you've angered my god and my god's going to make the sun go away. And then two days later there was an eclipse and then suddenly everybody was bowing to him. Before he slaughtered them all. 
You know, it's it's having that knowledge because that's what happens with people when it's in the wrong hands. This speaks really well to also towards something I want to. People have to remember that those who wield knowledge like this gracefully, you never hear about them. You don't know about them. They're not our right. leaders. They're right. they're fucking keeping quiet because they're afraid to get whacked. Right. And people who exactly. are out in the public manipulating the world. And man, listen, I I have Dogecoin. I own Dogecoin. But Elon Musk can send a tweet out and make people millions of dollars. Right. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this. But like, oh, like the whole, the whole thing he did with GameStock? No, 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 none of that. I'm talking about just Dogecoin. Like, this is his his okay. buddy's coin, and so it's his pet currency. And and literally, I've been holding it for like six months now. And, you know, it, it started at less than a cent. Now it's up to six cents. And they think they can get it to a dollar by the end of the year. And it jumps a couple cents every time Elon tweets about it. Right. How is that any different than predicting a fucking solar eclipse? Absolutely. He's manipulating our perception of something, and it's changing the reality. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly why uh, J.P. Morgan said that millionaires don't even need astrology, but billionaires do. <laughs> oh, say that again. Oh, man. J.P. Morgan said that millionaires don't need astrology, but billionaires do. Where did you hear that? It's just a quote that's around there. God. You can look it up. I got to hear you like that. It? That's fucking awesome. It's true, though. It is true, man. What I mean, like, there's a quote from Hunter Thompson that speaks to this, um, and it's and it's in another allegory. It says, um, "At the top of the mountain, we are all snow leopards." In other words, it. you know, true knowledge is fucking rare, man. And there's a reason we're all getting together in these little tiny podcast tribes to discuss things that need to be fucking turned over, because we're about to have to secret knowledge away and make sure it doesn't disappear. I think that's coming. Absolutely. Do you think that's Absolutely. coming? Uh, we're in the age of Aquarius. It's the golden age. Of course it's coming. I think the, the elites that are trying to keep everybody down, they're shitting themselves right now because they know their time is up. They're throwing the kitchen at the wall. Yeah. You know. Dude, this is great, Micah. This is good stuff, man. See, like, this went exactly where I wanted it to go. Like, uh, it's timely. Okay, let's get let's get a little more. I mean, you have how much time do you have in your hands? another 20 minutes or so yeah whatever you want to do brother okay so if i were to talk about the mount of olives now we know that olives are libra right this is where things start to get a little more encoded so jesus led his disciples to the mount of olives after his last passover okay and we know the passover is in aries so that he could teach them a few more things pray and then wait for judas to betray him while walking to the mount of olives he gave the parable of the true vine okay passover takes place in aries where right after he walks to the Mount of Olives. So if you look at the Zodiac Wheel, the Passover is in Aries, and the Mount of Olives, or the Olives, would be in Libra, if that's literally walking across the Zodiac. They're opposite signs. And they're in Libra, and they're waiting for Judas to betray him, which happens in the next sign over, which is Scorpio, the betrayer. And in Libra, he gave the parable of the true vine, and they're talking about the vineyard vine, which is also in Libra. You see how this stuff starts getting encoded? So can you give us an example of like specific instructions which are given out? These I don't I see the thing is is that they're not really specific instructions. They just tell you where the signs are located. Because they didn't have computers. I mean this they is one have, level, right? I'm sure that's somewhere in there, but maybe Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they didn't have like computers. They didn't have they couldn't just pull up a sign of the, of the zodiac wheel unless they drew it. 
you, you're talking about people that had like sundials and and like I said, basically we're in the food chain. So when they when they talk about this, like I said, you know, you have Aries and then he walks across to the opposite sign, which is Libra, and then they're waiting for the next sign, Scorpio, which is for Judas to betray him, and then the parable of the true vine, which is in Libra. They're just telling you what to look for, you know. You, oh, olives are going to be ready. It's Libra, you know. I, I look at the fall equinox. I know that now I can uh, press the wine. You know, it's things of that nature. That is, that, go, dude. That's straight up instructions, man. It is. If I go into Revelation and I talk about Revelation 4-7, it says the first living creature was like a lion. So that's Leo. The second was like an ox. Well, that's Taurus. The third had a face like a man. Well, that's the side Hold of on. Man. Stop right the there. Stop right there. Can I give you a right. second coded meaning of this? Sure. So the first – say that again sentence by sentence and then I'll give you – I want to give just as an example okay, of this just for the you know for people listening. A second coding, okay? So go ahead. Sure. So the first living creature was like a lion. Stop. The first living creature was like a lion because the first thing was a star. Why? Because a star gives out a kind of celestial energy. And by the way, it's not some magical fucking thing that's formed. Just lay down in an empty field with fucking empty sky and wait for a cloud to form. That's how things form in the heavens. The exact fucking same way. It's not magic. You can observe it everywhere because you can learn everything by observing nature but anyway the first thing to form was a star it gave out electro energy which okay now read the second sentence the second was like an ox taurus field it created taurus fields a star created the first taurus field in the universe Mm -hmm. giving life to the universe you see what's happening here beautiful the third had a face like a man which led to, obviously, down the fucking road to men. Like, it's giving you the history of the world, of the universe. Not in terms of human condition, but in terms of alchemical, biochemical. It's fucking summing everything up mm-hmm. on well, every level. Vibe, but, like, if, vibe, okay. if you know, what I'm saying is if you know the codings, it will tell you specifically how it happened. Right. So, and then the fourth one was, like, a flying eagle. <laughs> and above man came be you know came predators you know like man's in a food chain and what does eagle right. symbolize in the in the in the fucking uh in the what am i trying to say zodiac so i'm going to explain that so the first so that's how you interpret it but there's another way to interpret it too the first living creature was like a lion that's leo the second was like an ox that's taurus the third had a face like a man. That's Aquarius. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, in astrology, the Scorpio, the scorpion, is the belly crawling creature. It's the lowest form of life on Earth. In astrology, its evolved form is the flying eagle, <laughs> and the and the eagle's evolved form is the phoenix, which is the story of Jesus. It's basically Jesus is the sun. He's a flaming ball, okay, just like the phoenix is, and then it dies <laughs> and it's reborn from its ashes. It's the same thing. So the eagle equals Scorpio. Now you have Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio. Those are the four fixed signs of the zodiac. Okay, like you have uh, mutable, cardinal, fixed yeah. signs of the zodiac. And what they do is, if you look at the if you look at the zodiac wheel and you connect the solstices and the equinox, it forms a perfect cross through the zodiac wheel. That's the cross of God's sun. Okay, and basically. <clears throat> These four fixed signs 
form an X, a perfect X through that. So it's an astrological alignment. It's pretty brilliant, actually. Is there a name for that if, for that symbol? It's just an X. It's an X through a cross. There's no, I don't think there's a, I, 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 that's like sacred geometry, but I haven't seen that symbol. I just know that it forms, it's just a beautiful symbol. That's fucking interesting, X and a cross. Because like one of the, yeah, one of the Templar symbols is like the check on the an X on the side of a cross. Right. Did you know that? Yeah. Whoa. So if I go to have you heard of the um, the woman with the dragon in Revelation twelve? Well, I know about Draco, so go on. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon, with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. (laughs) A woman clothed with the sun is the sun in Virgo. It's a metaphor. Okay, and if the sun's in Virgo, which is about two, three o'clock in the afternoon, then the moon will be at her feet. If the sun's up in the sky, the moon is down. If the moon is up, the sun is down. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. You're right. It's the constellation Draco, which is the dragon. Its tail goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is four twelfths of the sign or one third of the stars out of the sky. One point for Maverick. Hmm. <laughs> I said one point for Maverick. Yes. Um, dude, fucking, I love it, man. Yeah, this is, uh... okay, so did you ever have like what Tim Ferriss used to call like the Harijuku moment, like the aha crazy moment where you're like, oh shit, I'm going to, like something that pushed you over the edge? Yeah. What was that moment? I was in Boston in 2013. I just moved there with an ex. And um, I'm from Long Island. And I moved there. I moved to Boston for a new job. And what I ended up doing was, you know, the iPad had just come out. I didn't have many friends there because we just moved. So um, she'd be watching TV. I'd be on the iPad down rabbit holes. And I came across some Santos Bonacci videos. And astrotheology blew my mind and it blew me to such an extent that I was like, I have to learn as much as I can. And then I learned as much as I could. And then I was like, I have to write about this. And then I was going to write a nonfiction book, but then I realized, you know what, let me write a book series. Cause that would probably hook better. You know, that would mainstream things a little bit better. Um, and as far as I know, I don't know anybody else that's writing astrotheology, fiction, thrillers, than, than I am. It's basically all this information that I've given you so far. That's just like, it barely touches what I've actually put in the books. Oh, I believe. But it's basically, yeah. So that's basically what it is. And I just, I had that aha moment where I was like, these are the answers and I have to write it and I have to dedicate my life to it. I had that aha moment, you know? And it's like, I know, I know, I don't know if you struggle with what your purpose is or if, because some people, some people just are so hungry for information that it's kind of like never ending, but they don't have it focused in a certain direction. It's kind of all over the place. They'll just read and read and read and it just never ends. But like when you have that aha moment, it kind of like, it's like putting a pair of glasses on. You can kind of focus and see straight and know what you're supposed to do. 
It's like an awakening in you that you've been waiting for. It's a it's a true blessing. Uh, and I I didn't have any of those until I was much older. And uh, I think the trick is just to just to do anything and keep doing. And wouldn't you say? What would you say the trick is to have in that moment? Just have as many life experiences as you can. You know, be be a good-hearted person. Just do what you can. You know, I, I think that I would like to think it's it's a romantic idea, but I would like to think that everybody has a true purpose, and everybody. It's like Einstein said. He goes, "If you you know if 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 you judge like a fish's what was it? <laughs> if you like, butchered it's, that it's like, really badly, it would have been awesome." Oh, okay. I know. No, it was basically, he basically said, he's like, if you judge a fish's ability to bite, its ability to climb a tree, you forget the fact that it swims magically or something. And it's just kind of like, not everything is for everybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, some oh, people yeah. are going to hear, some people are going to hear this today and reach out to me on like Facebook or Twitter and be thrilled and, and just be like, you opened my eyes to this or, or, I mean, not to take any credit of that because, you know, a lot of this is my own work, but some of it is not you know, but it's just the way that I present it. Uh, and some people are going to just run to their Bible. <laughs> it's just the way it's going to be. It's like what we were saying earlier, man, people are in different stages of readiness and, uh, yeah. that's, that's good though. Mm-hmm. So I want to read you one more passage. This is a rather longer passage, Go but, for it. um, it's from the book of Job. And then I think we could probably end on this. Oh, I love Job. Okay. Okay, so the book of Job. So 3832. This is God's response to Job. And it's pure astrotheology. That's all it is. Hold on. He says... Do you, do you know what Job had just asked God? He, he got down on his knees and he begged him for... I can't remember what he asked for exactly. Well, I mean, if you know the chapter, he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Why'd you kill everybody? Like, why's my family dead? What's happening to me? Well, yeah, no, give it, that, that was given. That yeah, was yeah, but that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I was curious specifically, but like, I bet you it'll come out in the context. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was curious though. No, that's fine. Okay. So he says, can you lead forth, the first thing that God says, he says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? And the Maseroth literally means the Zodiac. Okay. Over time, the word Maseroth becomes Mazalot. And then that evolves again which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov, which literally means good fortune from the stars. Oh, yeah. I know this quote. So, so the Lord's challenge to Job. He says, can you bind the chains of the plague? Yeah, I know this quote. Okay. Can you loosen Orion's belt? Well, those are two obvious metaphors for astrology. Then he says, can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? So the constellations are the zodiac above, and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear, and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Then he says, who can tip over the water jars of heavens? That's Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? Mariga, which means deer, is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Cellus borealis, which means donkey and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al-Thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. 
Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. There's the mention of spear. Yeah. That's, that's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Finally, he says, can you pull on Levethian with the fish hook? And Levethian is the fish god. So that's Pisces. Dude. So so God's entire, entire response to Job is, do you know the stars? Do you know this star? Do you know this constellation? Do you know it's it's all hidden. Dude, but he, he, he's God. he's but he's saying, are you fucking? He, he's he's, of course, he's saying, are you having struggles? Is your life falling apart? Maybe it's time to fucking start studying. <laughs> it's it's a basic allegory on the surface. You know, Job's life is shit. And, and if you if you read the Bible as a literalist, it's like, oh, God is going to give you trials and you better just keep going. I mean, that's that's obviously horseshit. Like what, what it's actually saying is your life is guaranteed to have trials. So you had better prepare yourself. Here's some fucking information right here. Right. <laughs> OK, like learn start by learning these things. And that's not, you know. His first line is, "Can you tell the Maseroth? He's literally saying, "Do you know your zodiac?" It's and then, just, of course, and, of course, he's also read. saying, he's also people, saying, yeah. "Don't forget your fucking place." Like you right. can't do any of these things. It, it, I, that is, this is the component that people miss. He's guaranteeing him strife. He's like, "Don't look at me. Right. This universe creates strife, not me." Can you do all the shit that I made for the universe? No. So fucking expect strife. Right. And get ready. And here's how. He's giving you fucking seat. Like, I'll tell you how to get ready. <laughs> and then if you go to a deeper level, it even tells you even more clearly how to get ready. And then you realize, oh, it's not readying my physical body. It's readying my spiritual body. Yep. But that's a whole nother level. But anyway, dude, I love it. Thanks, man. I recently encountered that fucking Job quote. In the secret history of the world, and I can't remember the quote that I want to read, so I'm going to go back and insert it. Uh, this was great, man. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on. Okay, so if uh, you know if people want to get your books and get into this, you know, deeply and find out what the fuck we're gibbering about, what do they do? <laughs> so you're going to go on Twitter or Facebook. Um, Micah Dank. I also have a Facebook group called Micah Dank into the rabbit hole series where I post like my interviews and my podcast appearances and, and, and stuff that I'm working on and like inspirational memes and things of that nature that are relevant to this kind of stuff. And, um, you can go on Amazon and type my name in Micah Dank. I have four books out so far, or you can reach out to me on, uh, Twitter or Facebook. If you're interested, I sell hundreds and hundreds of copies of, uh, signed books. Can so I ask I you a question? Direct. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like insider, insider. Uh, and, and we can either cut this out or leave it in. It's up to you. But, like, how did you get a book deal? Um, I wrote the first one in 2013. And I did not I, – I, I got, like, 100 rejections from agents. First, you need to get an agent because most book publishers that are worth their salt will not even look at you. Unless you have an agent. How'd you get an agent? Based, um, 
you, you basically you go to the library, you get a book called the LMP, and it has all the agents in there. And then you do what's called a query letter, which is basically like a synopsis of who you are, your background, your credentials. Um, Pretty old like school. Basically, yeah, it's like the trailer. Well, you email them now. But yeah. It's like you um you you get you you write like the trailer for your book and everything. I have over like a hundred agent rejections. Finally landed an agent. It took me like three years. What you just then, said? Don't gloss over what you just said. A hundred agent rejections. That's a hundred fucking emails. Were you like in the beginning? I bet you were kind of like whatever. I'll structure this so I can mass email people because I hear you're going to get a lot of rejections. And then I bet after a certain number went by, you started to be like, "Fuck! I better write these directly to these people. Take this more seriously." Is that what happened? No, I wrote them. I wrote them direct. All of them from the beginning. From the beginning. That is disciplined. It took me three years to get an agent. I I did what I described, and I did not get an agent. So I did, I did that, and after three years, I finally got an agent. And then it took me another four years to get a book deal, and I had another like 150 book deal rejections, and I was down to my like last couple of of book publishers that were out there. And then one of them, one of them said yes, and uh, my agent negotiated them a six book deal because Holy I had shit. a six book series. So they said you have to take all six or none, and then they said okay. And then my agent said, okay, now you have to put one out every three months. And they agreed to it. And even to this day, when I talk to my publisher, they're like, I have no idea why we agreed to this, but it's doing well. So Three months? <laughs> every three months, yeah. Well, they're all written. I've written all six books already. Okay, I was like, holy shit. I don't know what you um, – like, that is – okay, if they're yeah, written, that's I've one thing. An, I've got an agent. I've got a book deal. I have a publicist, too, who I landed. Um and basically, she has some connections to some TV producers that have their own like companies and everything. And uh, basically, we're pitching. We're pitching the series now. Dude, and that's fucking awesome. But over 250 rejections in seven years. The takeaway from this is just like Job. <laughs> it's identical. <laughs> It's fucking identical, though, because life would hand you – you could be homeless on the street. You don't pay your fucking bills. You don't pick something. You don't do something. You don't figure your way out. You know, life will hand you a fucking box of garbage. Uh, You know, and the fact that you studied what he was told to study literally. You know, like we're not talking metaphorically. You actually studied those things. Yeah. I love that fucking – you know, that's a parable for everybody listening. It worked. Your evidence. So this this proof has been done on the most basic level. It doesn't matter if you study astrotheology or if you study, uh, I don't know, fill the blanket. It can be anything. You just have to be the fucking master at it. Absolutely. I love that ending right there. That's pretty solid. All right. I kind of had to cut it off there because we start talking about some like behind the scenes stuff. And I wasn't sure if he was... Uh, cool on me sharing it like uh, Micah's talking to Hollywood got some stuff like that going in the works pretty cool check out this guy you can go to, uh, to micahdank.com m-i-c-a-h-d-a-n-k.com his books are available on Amazon Into the Rabbit Hole is the name of the series and uh, man Astro Theology in the Bible Micah Dank okay moving on 
Thanks for being here, Micah. That was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, I'm going to end this episode with some electronic music. Normally, I would put about a 30 or 45-minute running set in here. But because I'm this is phase three, I'm going to try to do something a little bit different now. I'm only going to put one track in. This is uh, around seven minutes, completely written by me. And it's uh, for the purposes of deep meditation. Now, you can use it for exercise. I definitely recommend that. That's what I use it for. But you can also sit down and do classical meditation to it in any form. Now, I'm going to warn you that the bass levels are very high. I have always loved fucking around with bass levels because I think the bass is an interesting thing. If you ever go to an actual live show or play these kinds of things on speakers, it, it, you know, it vibrates your body. And it acts as a reminder that cymatics are real. Cymatics meaning sounds actually create material shapes in your body and in water. Since you're made of water, they affect you. So maybe sit down and let the bass vibrate you or in headphones that, that is uh you know, that are pretty well calibrated and see what happens. In most cases you're gonna have to turn the bass down. I have almost over you know, you can hear it topping out with a little crunch in the recording if you listen closely. I love artifacts like this. You've heard so much of the other pure, perfect nonsense. Try some experimental stuff, which is, you know, I write this specifically to put you in the flow state and enable it to interrupt rote thinking. What does that mean? We're living in a hypnotic state, folks, and it's important to interrupt that hypnotism sometime. That was a weird, I had a weird meter when I said that. It's important to interrupt that hypnotism sometimes. So check this out. Consider it. I'm trying to find the title this whole time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To mend the parts we can reach. Now, these samples that you'll hear in there, the guy speaking, this Jack Cornfield, an amazing meditation teacher and teacher of mine. He studied in a Buddhist ashram in the East for many years, but he did come back. And that speaks to my teaching. That is, you're not supposed to isolate and sequester yourself. You're supposed to use these techniques to enrich your physical experience. So I'm going to stop talking now. Sorry, 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 sorry. I always get excited and talk too much. <laughs> I always order too much. Um, here you go. To mend the parts we can touch. I love you so much. Thanks for being here and indulging this sacred weird journey. Maverick Matthews, pepper for your steak. I got one friend, he shoots us. Beat, 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 beat.
job to bring your gift and to mend the part that you can touch.
enough for